Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Stacker Chat. My name is Gina, and I'm a team member with the Stacks Project, joined by Stacks founder, Muneev Ali. Thanks for being here, Muneev. How are you? I'm great, and I, and I love these uh, regular shows that we do now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks to everyone for watching them and checking them out, leaving comments. Um, we'd love to hear from you about what topics you're interested in hearing about. Um, feel free to leave comments or reach out on Twitter. We'll leave info uh, down below. But yeah, there's been a lot of exciting um, news about Stacks lately, and today I wanted to dive in. Um, one of the things that you posted about recently was NFTs on Bitcoin. And I'm curious to hear a little bit more. What, um, you know, what have you been hearing from folks that are interested in building NFTs on Bitcoin specifically? I think the concept is somewhat new. We're used to other networks having NFTs. Um, can you just unpack some of the benefits and the reasons why might one might want to um, create an NFT on Bitcoin? Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a very interesting topic. Uh, I think some weeks ago I was uh, tweeting about the history of NFTs, right? Like how uh, NFTs actually go all the way back uh, to Bitcoin, like where uh, using counterparty people were actually issuing things like rare pepes, but even further back in time uh, with this thing called Namecoin that was merged mined with Bitcoin uh, back in the day where people could uh, start these non-fungible tokens, more specifically decentralized names at the time. So NFTs have a very rich history with Bitcoin. Uh, you can easily do this on top of Bitcoin, but uh, the thing to keep in mind is that there are two potential downsides for trying to do that directly at the Bitcoin base layer. One, the transactions are going to be expensive, right? So Bitcoin transaction fees are, are uh, quite high, and then Bitcoin also tends to appreciate in value and the, the transaction fees become higher. And secondly, you can't embed like that much data directly in the Bitcoin blockchain, and you can't have like full smart contracts there. Like they're more limited scripting approaches. And that's where Stacks comes in. So Stacks is a L1 blockchain, connects to Bitcoin, brings smart contracts to it. And I think that kind of like solves those issues that transaction fees could be cheaper on the on the Stacks side and Stacks can have full uh, smart contract functionality. So people can basically program whatever they want to program uh, in terms of the NFTs and so on. And these NFTs are still uh, settling on Bitcoin, they're benefiting from the security of Bitcoin. And, and that is really important for NFTs because uh, it's all about provenance. It's all about ownership, right? Like you want to define these assets on a network uh, that is likely going to be around 10 years from now or 20 years from now. And I think Bitcoin is is uh, is that thing that has the highest probability of, sur of survival uh, looking at all, all the uh, crypto networks out there. So I think that that makes NFTs super interesting on Bitcoin, uh, and and uh, I, I was actually away from uh, like Twitter and Telegram and notifications for a week, trying to do some more deep work and, and disconnect from the day-to-day -day, uh, interactions. And I came back online recently, and uh, one of the first things I noticed was uh, Ari Paul. Was a, he's a friend of the project. We've known him for several years. Uh, great, uh, great, great uh, person. And he was tweeting about. Uh, that he's willing to pay, you know, one million dollars in cash to somebody who can implement CryptoKitties on top of Bitcoin. He was trying to make a point that, you know, uh, that there's a reason that people haven't done that. And this this bet I actually didn't know, 
uh, was from four years ago uh, and is no longer valid. But I thought like the bet is still valid. So I, I was having some fun with that. I was like, okay, Ari, you're putting up a million dollars. I'm going to like walk people through step by step how to implement CryptoKitties on Bitcoin. And the interesting thing there is that there is an NFT standard on Stacks already. I believe it's like SIP009 that defines how to have uh, NFTs in a more standardized way on, 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 on Stacks. And um, there, there are several applications already. I think Boom uh, Wallet is one of them where, where people can go and create NFTs and so on. But then people might have this uh, criticism of, of these NFTs that, hey, yeah, they're kind of like on stacks that settles on Bitcoin, but they're not really on Bitcoin, right? So I was actually uh, walking people through a modification of the SIP009 standard where an alternative way to mint an NFT could be that you could actually almost like color, uh, let's say one STX to mint a NFT. And I think you can do that in various ways, but this is the high level concept. And the reason like why I'm trying to to uh, almost like link like a Stacks asset with an NFT is Stacks assets can be moved with direct Bitcoin uh, transactions right now. Like that, this functionality is already live, right? So just like you, I can make a Bitcoin transaction to either transfer or stack a Stacks token, uh, I would be able to, if the, the same token also now uh, represents an NFT, uh, I can actually move the NFTs around. So at that point, the NFT is owned by a Bitcoin address. You can transfer the ownership of the NFT through a pure Bitcoin transaction on the Bitcoin main chain. And you can even implement auction systems, right? Like there could be a smart contract where people are actually bidding in Bitcoin and the highest bidder can, can get automatically get selected as the winner of the NFT. There are some more technical details there, but the high level point I was trying to make is that at that point, it's a Bitcoin NFT like literally owned by a Bitcoin address, moves by a Bitcoin transaction, you can bid using Bitcoin transactions. So these things are, are possible today. And I think uh, the, the Stacks blockchain, the, the master design really launched in January of this year. And slowly developers are discovering that, oh, a lot of things that we thought are not possible with Bitcoin before. Uh, and I think Ari Paul's tweet is a, is a great example of that. They're clearly possible now and very easy to, to do and very easy to program. And I'm, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, definitely. Now, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into a point that you mentioned here where Stacks recognizes pure just Bitcoin transactions for transfers and ownership. I've, I've done like a multi-sig Bitcoin transaction for, for some transfers. And so I know it's possible, but I'm just curious for our audience, can you break down the mechanics of really how the Stacks chain like recognizes those Bitcoin transactions? Yes. So I think the way to think about Stacks is uh, it's an L1 blockchain that connects to Bitcoin. So it's like two L1 blockchains that are connected together. And whenever that happens, you have to decide like which one of them is the leader, which one of them is the ultimate source of truth. And uh, for Stacks, it's, it's Bitcoin, right? Like Bitcoin is the leader, Stacks is kind of like a follower L1. So whatever actions happen on Bitcoin, they, they are the ultimate source of truth. And the Stacks side uh, kind of like uh, accepts that. And, and interestingly, uh, you could, so this concept is actually broader because we could have other types of Stacks functionality that can work as pure Bitcoin transactions as well. It's just that right now, 
there are two operations. One is transfer, and the second is stacking. Uh, those two operations are implemented in a way that pure Bitcoin transactions would trigger. But but this concept is general. Like you could actually expand it pretty much at any stacks functionality that you can think of, and Bitcoin transactions can absolutely trigger uh, trigger that. So interestingly, this is a really good point for a lot of people who are. Uh, let's say more on one end of the spectrum on the Bitcoin space where they just believe in Bitcoin the asset and they would go like, hey, why can't I just use Bitcoin for gas? The interesting thing is, yes, you can. Uh, If you want to pay a high gas fee and you want to do a transaction on the Bitcoin side, do it and Stacks will recognize that. But if you want to pay a cheaper fee, gas fees, and you want to directly uh, do a Stacks transaction, you can do that as well. So I think by bringing that optionality and by almost like giving people the option so that they can compare and contrast that, okay, I can do this as a Bitcoin transaction, but it's actually going to cost me more money. It might actually be slower because microblocks don't work on the, on the Bitcoin side and so on. It might be a little more complicated as, as when you did your transaction, you would have noticed that it was a little bit more complicated to do it on the Bitcoin side versus like the UX is like much nicer, much easier to do on the Stacks side because that's what Stacks is designed to do. Like it's a, it's a smart uh, contract L1 blockchain, which is a modern blockchain. Uh, it just launched in, in January of this year. So I think those are those are some of the uh, the pros and cons. But this is generally a subset of the uh, overall design where Stacks contracts and the Stacks chain is fully aware of Bitcoin state and, and state changes. So if any state changes on the Bitcoin side, Stacks actually knows about it. Uh, so when you're doing a Bitcoin transaction, Stacks knows about it. And if you do that transaction in a particular way, it can trigger an action on the, on the Stacks side, which is how the transfer and the stacking operations are currently implemented and, and, and their life. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, so just to go back to, to NFTs, I think that there's certain things that like haven't even been fully explored yet because they're so new. Um, so I know that the Boom.Money team has been working on stacking NFTs, which essentially unlocks like programmable Bitcoin yields for folks that maybe hold an NFT. Um, but I'd just love to hear a little bit more from your perspective of like what you think the aha moment might be or um, what, what you really see as possible for creators at, at this time. Yes, I think that's a that's a very exciting feature, right? Uh, this is something that, frankly, I didn't even fully recognize before Stacks launched. Like, I think the Bitcoin yield aspect, I thought it was like fascinating and you know it's interesting, but it's has taken a life of its own, right? Like, people are doing so many new things with the Bitcoin uh, yield stuff. Like, there are entire almost like uh, small startups that are launching that are focusing on just the Bitcoin yield aspect. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a very, very unique thing. There is no crypto asset, other crypto asset out there that has a native Bitcoin yield associated with it. There are lots of proof of stake coins where if you stake that coin, you can earn more of the same coin. But that's that's like pretty much like every proof of stake blockchain. Stacks is the only asset where, and also you're not staking, like you are, your funds are not at risk of being slashed. Uh, it's, it's a very different concept where you're, you're locking up capital and you're directly earning Bitcoin. Bitcoin on the main Bitcoin chain. So you lock up asset on the stack side and you earn Bitcoin on the, on the Bitcoin side. And now people are kind of like remixing that and they're trying to do interesting things with it. For example, the, the team at uh, Arcadico, they're looking at if you provide stacks collateral for a stable coin, maybe you can earn a Bitcoin yield. Very interesting concept, right? Similarly with Boom, 
they are looking at what if you can somehow enable your NFTs to earn a Bitcoin yield. And I think the, like these concepts, like once people can like start remixing them and uh, trying to come up with new variations can actually lead to fairly interesting things. Like for example, with the NFT one, uh, in some ways you can say, well, NFT is valuable at least uh, to the extent that the yield that you can get out. So if you think Bitcoin has value, because Bitcoin is a store of value, and this NFT is actually giving you a yield in Bitcoin, then it has intrinsic value, right? And then obviously any artistic value that you might have on top of that is separate from that, but there's some base value attached to the NFT because it's actually earning you Bitcoin. And I think that, that that's a very interesting concept and I wouldn't be surprised if developers and, and innovators, they kind of like tweak uh, around with this concept even more to see like what else can be done because these things are programmable and every, anyone can come in and, and, and basically um, build new things on top of the Legos that, that, that are available. For sure. Um, now, in terms of Legos, you actually brought up an interesting one um, recently where Coindesk reported that USDC is planning to expand to stacks um, to essentially create USDC stablecoin on stacks. And I'm curious, from your perspective, what are some of the highlights that make this a really exciting opportunity for DeFi on Bitcoin? Yes, I think I think that that was I, I read about it in CoinDesk, and I was uh, I was very excited about it. Uh, I think that uh, the main 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 takeaways for me, number one is I think uh, it's a little bit of a narrative violation, like in the sense that if you look at the mainstream narrative in crypto, the idea is that you know decentralized finance is not possible in Bitcoin. That's why people are doing it on Ethereum or they're doing it on other chains and so on and so forth. But clearly a narrative violation. Like if, if DeFi is not possible, then how is you know, uh, USDC being issued on, on top of stacks, which actually settles on Bitcoin and it brings DeFi into Bitcoin, right? So that's the number one thing. Like I think it would uh, catch people's attention that wait, like DeFi is actually growing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because now an established stablecoin like USDC is actually coming to the Bitcoin ecosystem. So I think that's that's like the first first thing. But uh, the next thing would be that I think it 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 actually uh, helps with the idea of Bitcoin as kind of like the center of crypto, where USDC issued on the stack side uh, naturally automatically actually settles on Bitcoin. Right. So if you're doing these transactions, these USDC transactions. Uh, with the USDC that's issued on the stack side, then these, the, the history of these transactions or the history of the blockchain is actually, actually recorded in a way that for anyone to change that history, they would also have to change Bitcoin's history, which I think is a very powerful thing. Like imagine like five years from now, 10 years from now, uh, someone wants to audit or if there's some sort of a dispute and you want to go back and basically see uh, what were the transactions that are done some of the blockchains on which you might have done those transactions might have disappeared from, from the face of the planet, right? Like we don't know which one of these blockchains are going to survive or not. And I think the, uh, the thesis that Bitcoin has the highest probability of survival because it's the most durable, most secure base layer is actually very strong. And this, this basically builds up on that and says we can issue a, a stable currency that actually settles on, on Bitcoin automatically 
And then there are all the possibilities that can happen. We were just talking about Bitcoin yields. Now people can actually try to come up with uh, interesting applications that uses USDC with these Bitcoin yields in new creative ways. And I think it's basically up to the imagination of the developers what they're going to do there. But these are the DeFi building blocks uh, that are now coming online in the, like, like various different parties are kind of like working in the ecosystem and, and, and doing these things. And that's, 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 that's super exciting. And then uh, I think you can think of like uh, lending applications, for example, where you want to borrow Bitcoin, where Bitcoin remains on the main Bitcoin chain and your collateral could be in USDC. Now, if the collateral is in USDC and it's an established stable uh, coin that a lot of institutions hold and so on, that's actually super interesting because now, uh, let's say you're a large institution who already holds a bunch of USDC. Uh, they make it very seamless to go from like one chain to another chain anyway. So that means additional liquidity you can pour into such Bitcoin, like native Bitcoin trustless lending applications. And I think that's very exciting uh, because, because the more real usage these applications have and any barriers to entry that we can potentially remove could be, could be very helpful. And I think USDC uh, kind of like integrating on the stack side uh, helps, helps a lot with it. So I think in general, uh, for me, it was a little bit of, uh, you know, I've, I've had this thesis for a while. Uh, Jude was, uh, I think, once uh, joking about it. That's like the Muneeb's law. I call it the, the kind of like the Bitcoin thesis that successful experiments in crypto would eventually get implemented on top of Bitcoin. And if you look at USDC, that has actually gained a lot of market adoption recently. Like I think, I think Circle and Center and other partners uh, in that ecosystem, they've done a tremendous job of, of uh, focusing on this use case, growing that use case. And, and that's the stable uh, uh, coin that is actually gaining a lot of adoption, gaining a lot of market share. And now naturally it's coming to Bitcoin. And I think uh, if people like the properties of like uh, the USDC settling on Bitcoin, this national connection with Bitcoin yield, or even like the fact that it's, it will be programmed in Clarity, which is a much more secure, decidable programming language. If you're talking about keeping hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars in USDC on, on, uh, on, on a smart contract, it really matters what programming language that smart contract is written in. Right. So if, if developers can sleep a little bit easier at night because their contract was written in clarity and, and they could have kind of like a mathematical proof for correctness or you know, there are certain attack vectors that are simply not possible for, for the smart contract, I think these things matter. And if uh, USDC starts to take off over here, then I think the network effects actually become even stronger. That's something that's implemented on top of Bitcoin because it has access to higher liquidity, because it has... A, as a uh, as a increased security can have network effects that actually make that use case uh, kind of like even grow faster. So I think that's that's the overall thesis, and this is kind of like an early sign to see that yes, that's happening. It's a successful experiment in crypto that's now coming uh, coming to Bitcoin. Yeah, very excited. Now a final question. It's been in the news a lot lately. Um, you know, as someone who's building this entire ecosystem directly on Bitcoin, what is your reaction to China banning Bitcoin mining? I think it's it's a little bit like uh, like in 
I think overall it's a healthy thing. I know it's almost like a meme that a lot of Bitcoin or basically say that this is good for Bitcoin, but I truly think this is actually good for Bitcoin because uh, there was actually so much criticism like a, uh, a Bitcoin, whenever you talk about Bitcoin decentralization, that it, it optimizes for decentralization and then it's kind of like the most decentralized network. The number one criticism that I think people would throw at you would be like, hey, what about the mining concentration in China? Well, the mining concentration in China is now disappearing, right? And I think it also shows the resilience of the network that how quickly, um, you know, hash power is getting distributed. Uh, like like uh, people are kind of like shipping out, you know, miners from China to other places. And so these things will start coming online elsewhere. But if the total hash rate is going down, uh, the protocol is just going to adjust the difficulty just like at it, it always has been for the last 10 plus years. And basically what that means is that new miners now have an additional incentive. It became a little bit easier to mine, right? Uh, so new miners have an incentive to come online and earn more Bitcoin. So it's just the protocol at work. But but as Bitcoin comes through this kind of kind of like it it is in many ways stronger because this is an event that people were uh, scared of that hey what if China basically bans Bitcoin and all the mining is there what's going to happen well now we know nothing much happened right like the blocks slow down a little bit because the uh, hash rate was supposed to be at a level and it actually dropped but the difficulty had not adjusted. So as soon as the difficulty is going to adjust, we're going to see blocks speed up again. Uh, people are actually able to just sell their miners. I actually saw a bunch of uh, 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 kind of like requests come in that people want to buy miners. Part of me actually wants to like buy a bunch of them and set up uh, mining farms in places like Pakistan where I grew up and whatnot. But there's only limited time in the day uh, and only limited things I can, I can get involved in. But People were selling these things and shipping them out, right? So we saw a transfer uh, of the of the hash power happen, and I think overall, like Bitcoin came out uh, to be stronger than it was before. So th- uh, I think it's it's a very bullish sign uh, for this technology. Excellent, thank you. Well, that's a wrap for this week. And um, for everyone who listened and watched, uh, thank you so much. If you enjoyed your time with us, um, definitely please subscribe to the Stacks YouTube channel. And we're going to be continuing to post these so you'll get notified. Um, And if you'd like to learn more about Stacks, head over to stacks.co. And definitely make sure that you're following Maneeb at Maneeb on Twitter. So we're going to be tuning in next week. Um, If you'd like to hear about specific topics, have any questions, um, feel free to reach out either below in the comments or on Twitter. All right. Thank you so much. And thanks, Muneev. Awesome. Thanks for having me.